Welcome back to another episode of Obsessed with Death. Thank you so much for continuing to listen and support the podcast. Today, I am joined by writer and director Tiger G. Tiger has a new short film out right now on YouTube called Death and Ramen, starring Matt Jones from Breaking Bad and comedian Bobby Lee. The short film has recently hit just over half a million views and is by far one of my favorite films of the year, whether it's a short film or not. Luckily, uh, from what Tiger tells me in our chat today, it seems like we'll be getting a feature film version of Death and Ramen as well, which is very exciting. So go check out the film on YouTube. Of course, please continue to support and share the podcast. Uh, it helps a ton. Leave a review, you know, follow us on Spotify, on iTunes, all that stuff. Uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, I don't know, whatever it is. Do the thing. Uh, you know, I I'm so lucky I get to do this. And have these conversations and sometimes I do an episode where it really does remind me how lucky I am that I get to do this and this was definitely one of them you're gonna love it so please enjoy another episode of obsessed with death Thank you for doing this. Uh, I'm really excited to, to chat with you uh, for a little bit and discuss uh, your new short film and also just death in general. So yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Robert. Uh, I'm so delighted. Uh, I've been, you know, so fascinated with this topic for so long in a way that isn't uh, necessarily morbid. And I think that a lot of my work hopefully in the future will sort of surround this topic. Um, and I'm glad to, to be here and, and dive in. Do you, do you feel like your like the future of your work is, is really going to focus around death? Is that something that, that you're planning on doing, or you feel like that's just something that's going to come through in your writing? Well, ever since I was a kid, I, I've been fascinated with this, this concept, not so much like the actual act of dying, but cessation and and internal deaths that occur, be it psychological or, or spiritual, I think like deaths can kind of manifest themselves in so many ways. But on like a more general level, yeah, for sure. I think I've always been interested in endings. My thought behind that is that without endings, uh, things would not have meaning. And I think that yeah, for sure. Like philosophically, that's something I've been grappling with in my own life and um, hope to explore that more throughout my work. Yeah, I think endings are in extremely important, uh, especially when creating film and, and, and art in general. Things sort of, I, I don't know if ruined is the right word, but I don't know. Uh, sometimes stuff gets ruined by by not just knowing when a thing needs to end yeah yeah definitely i think that you know cinema is like the perfect example of that you know you yeah. have these the beginning middle and end and and it finishes 
and people leave thinking about that ending and they're like, oh man, what a fucking ending. It could be an amazing movie, but if the ending's bad, you know, the whole thing could so easily be ruined because without that, you know, the whole thing doesn't make any sense because you, you can't have uh, an experience without it ceasing, you know? And I think that sure. such an important part of, of making movies. I think it in, in, in endings for sure. Like my first thought is, okay, how is this film going to end? And it always ends with like a pretty large crescendo or an image um, or something like that. And I think that sort of mimics like my fascination with, with death as well, you know? Absolutely. And, and I, I am curious about, your process a little bit and I, i'm so interested to hear more about this the thoughts on ending but i do sort of like to ask a, a a general question to everybody that i have on the show and it seems like you're not thinking about it too much in like the literal sense but i am still curious just based off of obviously the, the this film that you've uh put out you know how are you thinking about death a lot is it something that you consider to be like a part of your life um is it something that that worries you? Uh, what is your relationship with death like? I think it used to worry me quite a bit, especially as I was growing up. You know, uh, I was raised Christian. My mom was Protestant Christian. She became like a very staunch Christian uh, quite early on in my life. I come from Hong Kong, and I remember one of my earliest core memories was when we were walking through the streets. My mom was holding me in her arms and, and, and there was like a street preacher, like one of those really annoying ones. Um, sure. Oh yeah, sure. And, uh, and my mom, my mom, you know, was sort of captured by this street preacher. And I, I remember her being like this, like very, very well-spoken and charismatic Indian woman in Hong Kong. And she was just preaching. I don't really remember because I was too young what she was saying, but I just remembered like how passionate she was. My mom was totally captured by it. And I think that was the first moment she sort of uh, became like a staunch, you know, believer. And then like, of course, uh, you know, that shaped my my view of death because, you know, it, it never became this like dark void, right? It was this like transmutation and and, and you would pass on to the next life, right? Or, or, or you go to heaven or hell. It was very like black and white, you know, in the way that I sort of grew up. But as I entered my youth and started to like have my own brain, so to speak, I kind of started questioning things a bit. I remember uh, when I took like an intellectual interest in in the Old Testament, I read the book of Job and um, started to think, hold on a second, like this doesn't make any sense. You know, God is supposed to be this all good being and yet there's so many inconsistencies, especially in the book of Job. We can get into more details, but like mainly the idea that, you know, God would sort of take this wager uh, from the devil uh, and put one of his like favorite children, uh, Job, through like, you know, the depths of misery and the worst of the human experience just to prove a point. That doesn't sound very godly to me. And uh, then so I started becoming a lot more skeptical about religion and started thinking about death in a more holistic way. 
And so I started reading a lot of literature, uh, like as a teenager, I read a lot of like Dostoevsky, a lot of Russians, because they, I think they're like, you know, their outlook on death, I think is, is the most like direct, I would say. Sure. Um, and so I had this like very morbid, like fascination as, as, as you do as like an angsty, you know, teenager with sophomore knowledge interested in, in, uh, in that topic. And so a lot of my favorite movies were about that. You know, I watched this movie called Taste of Cherry when I was 16, going through a really rough patch in my life. And basically it's this Iranian film directed by this Iranian filmmaker by the name of Abbas Kiarostami. And Taste of Cherry follows this man who is driving on the outskirts of Tehran in, in Iran. So we capture like this Range Rover driving through this barren desert landscape and all he's looking for is someone to bury him because he wants to die. And so it becomes this very deep meditation on, on what it means to live. And then that kind of changed the whole perspective for me. It's like, oh, death is not just about what happens after, but what happens before. Meaning like death is a, like the conversation surrounding death is not actually about this like morbid curiosity, but about what it means to live. And, and then that became like a lot more hopeful and my relationship with death became a lot more like instead of fear uh, or even fascination in a fetishistic way, it was like this very, very philosophical and hopeful uh, dynamic whenever I thought about it in that without endings, the whole movie wouldn't make any sense. Without endings, um, our lives would have no meaning. And so I think... To answer your question in a very long-winded way, that's kind of how uh, I arrived at death and ramen. I arrived at like my own personal relationship with death, which is this very like hopeful one. In that it's not this um, it's not this terrifying thing that we must look away from, but through embracing it, we kind of learn how to live. You know, if you could only choose one, would you prefer to create a movie? with quote unquote the perfect ending or would you rather have what you would consider like a perfect life ending or, or could those be the same thing is is that something am i just asking a ridiculous question <laughs> i'm curious so uh, so you're i think that's a great question but i want to make yeah. sure so you you mean like would i rather make a perfect movie with a perfect ending or would I rather lead a life with a perfect ending? Yes, you 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 put it much better than I did. But yeah, yeah, maybe if it doesn't it doesn't even need to be a perfect movie, but the ending is perfect. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's almost like as though you're asking me if if I would rather be a great artist or a happy person. <laughs> I guess I kind of am. I think um, that's a great question, and that's a yeah. great way of putting it, especially in this framework. Sure, um, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think, man, that's a hard one. I um, I think if you, if you caught me like two years ago, uh, I would have definitely said I cared more about being a good artist. But I don't know. I, I think that like nowadays, I'm kind of more interested in leading a fulfilling life. And work takes not necessarily a backseat, but work is reflexive of the life you lead. You know, I think that a lot of, creators sort of torture themselves uh to reach this ideal of 
perfection and a perfect ending for their movies. But you got to be a happy, healthy, and sane person. Because that's the biggest gift you're given, the gift of life. Yeah, and I, and I think also if you're a happy person and you have a good life and you have good people around you, that might be the key to creating more fulfilling and successful work, or at least in your eyes. Yeah, yeah. My I theory is that when you're creating, there are, there are loads of wells that you draw upon, but there's mainly two wells. One well comes from misery and suffering and cynicism and subversion, which is, I think, a ne very necessary well. Um, when I think of wells like those, I think of like very like dark, uh, sort of like Dionysian um, works that grapple with like, you know, what it means to be human and, and, and the brinks of, of the deepest and darkest like depths of humanity. But then there's another well that, that is like asking the opposite question, which is like, how do you be happy? How do you treat others with love? And that could be interpreted as like a very cheesy and cornball sort of thing. But I don't think so. I think that like, in fact, when you, when you address questions like that in like an open and honest way, that's like, there's even more profundity there. But I think the best art can tap into both, you know? I, I hear that often too, where people get like, not embarrassed, but they they do sort of shy away from that. Or, or the you know the cornball aspect of of love and life. And I, I I'm with you. I, I think that it's it, it's one of the greatest feelings that you're gonna experience in your life. I if it's if it's if that means it's like a little cornballish, I'm okay with that. You know, I think yeah. I, I want to embrace that. Yeah, and I think that like what makes something cornballs when it feels disingenuous, you know, yes. and, and you sort of approach things with kitsch and cliche. If you're like skilled and like a deep thinker, you sort of, you know, you can avoid that rather, rather easily. Be yeah. If, if it's genuine, I feel like that cancels it out, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you come upon like this topic? Like how, what was like, <laughs> know how did you start this podcast like what was your like story behind uh sure being quote unquote obsessed with death um i legitimately had a, a mildly unhealthy obsession with it um thought about it way too much still probably do you know i'm in therapy i go to therapy partially <laughs> for <laughs> this this obsession and and the, the thoughts i have also I could tell my friends were getting sick of me talking about it and I needed an outlet, you know? Yeah. Um, I come from like a broadcasting background. I always loved mm -hmm. podcasting. I felt like it could be a really fun way to meet interesting people like yourself. I mean, the fact that I get to have a conversation with you about death for 30 minutes is so fulfilling on so many levels and also sort of calms my nerves a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I remember the moment I realized I was going to die. Like I could picture everything around me. Like it's just one of those moments that, you know, you remember where you were when it happened sort of thing. And I was just never sort of the same after that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it just, it, I, I just decided to start the podcast and was very lucky that I, I've been able to speak to some really, really intelligent and 
funny and just some of the the greatest people. Sometimes I have a conversation with somebody and I have to like go outside and go for a walk afterwards because it was just like so incredibly helpful to what I think I was trying to do with the podcast. And I could talk about this forever, but that that's that's essentially uh, where it came from. Uh, legitimate obsession, uh, you know, unhealthy <laughs> obsession and just needing yeah. needing to talk about it. Now, did you have like, because I did, and I'm happy to go into it, but did you have uh, any sort of uh, close calls or, or, or encounters with, with, you know, embracing that your your life is is finite um, that that sort of sparked this, or was it just like a more detached, you know, realization? Yeah, I, I, I'm very lucky. I mean, I've had a couple of like make sort of close calls, I guess, you know, I, I, but nothing, nothing really uh, didn't even really experience true loss until very recently. Like, you know, obviously you lose like a grandparent or something that stuff sort of happens just with growing up, mm. but really nothing. It was just mostly my brain <laughs> couldn't stop thinking about it. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of like a, I mean, this is, I don't know if this is uh you know, in bad taste, but kind of like a Woody Allen sort of like, oh my god, I'm gonna die, sort of thing. It, it was just, yeah. I mean, it just, it's still, it, it, it terrifies me. It excites me. I love everything about it. It's gonna happen to everybody. There's literally no way of escaping it. You know, it's this thing that we all have in common that's absolutely terrifying and incredibly. Um, I don't, it's, it's hard for me to describe at times it's, mm -hmm. it's, but again, it's, I, I don't know why we're all not talking about it constantly. I understand. There's, <laughs> I understand why there's like th that there is a healthy boundary to have with death, but I also, and it's, we've, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but we definitely don't, you know, we don't talk about death enough. Yeah. I talk about it too much but the rest of us aren't talking about it enough. enough. Yeah, you're and, balancing and, and, the equilibrium. Yeah, and it is scary, but it's like talking about it, 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 it only, it, at least in my experience so far, it's only helped. I don't think it's scary. I think here's sort I, of- I, I'm glad you don't. I love that. Here's how Death and Ramen came to be. I kind of, it, it first came to me when my grandpa died, when I was like around 17 or so. Yeah. That was like my first real encounter with with death on a pretty direct level, sort of realizing that one person could be there so consistently and then they could just be gone. I'll be honest, it wasn't really a emotional experience on my part. Like, I mean, I loved him. He was really I was really close to him and he was really wonderful. But it was actually witnessing how emotional my mom was about sure. her father passing away. And moreover, how difficult it was for her to embrace the fact that he was simply gone, didn't go to heaven, didn't go to hell, or at least embrace the possibility that he's just gone. Like she had to hold on to an idea that, oh, he's looking down on me. Oh, you know, he he's... Uh, He's guarding me or he he's in heaven now. He's in a better place. Like, I feel like, in fact, that might be kind of defeating the whole purpose. You know, you have to take into account, like, yes, he lived and he was wonderful, but he's gone now. Perhaps he is, his, he's in a better place, but I don't know. And I have to accept that. 
like nebulousness, because that's what death is all about. And if you don't fully embrace that, you're not actually embracing the process of grief, I think. Um, I thought of like making a comedy about a human being befriending death, kind of like The Seventh Seal, but a buddy comedy, whereby, you know, if you know the plot of The Seventh Seal, a man sits down and plays chess with the Grim Reaper, right? And there's this kind of oppositional nature between the two of them. Instead of that, a man invites death himself to his ramen shop and they sit down and have a nice warm bowl of soup noodles. And that's felt very, very interesting to me because that like philosophically was, was the way I felt was the best way to deal with this thing we all have to deal with was to make it your friend, was to give death a hug, was to kind of just coexist with that fact that we have no control over it and and that's it you know um and once you befriend that you can sort of become a better more well-rounded human being i i love uh, the, the film obviously I, i've watched it multiple times now um and I, i'm a big I, I, i'm a big person i, I love to cook for people mm -hmm. right I, I think that one of the greatest ways to get to know somebody is over a meal I, th I think food has such an incredible power over bringing people together, whether it's a, a new friend, an old friend, a family member, or death. Was yeah. was there was there any th sort of thought process on was it was it always going to be ramen w like from the beginning? Was there ever a moment where it may have been something else? It was totally around from the beginning, just yeah. because of my own upbringing. Sure. Because every Sunday, my mom's a very busy woman, and every Sunday she would make me ramen. She would make me home-cooked, like, pack ramen, but she would do it. And that's how, in a way, I knew that she loved me in the most, like, direct way. Like, you could, you could taste it. Yeah. Um, and in Asian culture, or in Chinese culture, Every single year on your birthday, you would eat what's called changshou mian, which translates to like, sort of like loosely translates to um, noodle longevity, <laughs> okay. which is like you're supposed to live like a long, prosperous life, sure. you know? And to me, that's like two ends of the existential spectrum, right? It's like you get the noodles, which, which is a source of life. And then there's death on the other side of that. And if you join the two, the yin and yang, if you join the Apollonian and Dionysian, you know, you create this uh, comedy of contrasts. It was also funny to have Bobby Lee, our, 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 our actor, and Matt Jones kind of play alongside each other because they were such opposites visually, you know, what they represented in, in, in the narrative and just make this like the perfect buddy comedy. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Bob, of both of them. Bobby is obviously hilarious, just a, an incredible comedian. I, you, I don't, I feel like you couldn't have picked a, a better pair to put together. Like you said, this this sort of buddy comedy feel. I mean, I, I would watch those two do anything together. Yeah, me too. Me too. Matt was an interesting pick too because I didn't know that he was friends with Bobby ahead of time, and okay. they were actually like old friends and they hadn't seen each other for years. And so like, this is sort of like, you know, joining old friends together. Um, and uh, 
But the thinking behind, you know, Matt was like, I love Breaking Bad and yeah. Badger is my favorite character from Breaking Bad. Like, he's just like the funniest. So good. Just like without even trying, right? Like the way he's introduced into the show, like he's on the side of the road spinning like <laughs> yeah. the sign. And then like the payoff for that spinning the sign is, is like he and Jesse Pinkman get into a fight like later on in that episode. Okay. And he, he spins Jesse Pinkman and he says like, <laughs> helicopter, bitch. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like the funniest oh. like sort of thing. And and to have him play death yeah. is like the whole point, you know, to have this hilarious character and lovable character who sounds like this and he talks like this high pitched voice. That's what it's about. Like he, like, like the way he's introduced into the movie, like my thinking is like he comes in and there's this like dark hood that he's wearing, and he picks up, you know, Timmy Bobby's character, and he and, and he walks him along the bridge, and there's this strange, funny but but sort of dark feeling as he's like carrying him away, and then he drops him, and Bobby's like, "What the hell?" And he takes off the hood, and it's just Badger with a friendly face. <laughs> yeah, and that's what. That's my relationship with death. It's like once you see it for what it is, it's not terrifying at all. It's just the mere fact of life. You know, we have no other option but to embrace it. I feel like all of my problems would be solved if I could just know for sure that when I die, I just get to hang out with Badger. Maybe you will. I, I hope so. That uh, that would really make me feel a lot better. Yeah. I, I know we we gotta we gotta go here in, in a minute. I really appreciate all the time uh, you've given me. Um, I am curious if there's going to be more to this. Is Death and Ramen going to um, grow? Are, are we thinking feature film? What's what's the plan with with the future of Death and Ramen, if there is one? There is. We are making it into a feature film. It's That's currently so in exciting. development. Um, we're talking with some companies to sort of get it greenlit and 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 going because I'm you know a young indie filmmaker. Like sure. there's a lot. Of blind spots and i'm sort of like traversing you know uh, these unknown territories but yeah. i'm very very set on making it by 2025 and i've declared it openly on every single platform to sort of manifest that okay. so yeah it's st it'll still be a buddy comedy but hopefully going deeper into um the philosophical aspect of it because i think that the short film you can only explore the depth of it with you know so much time we, we definitely spend more time exploring the the death corporation which is something that, yeah. you know, Matt's character alludes to in uh, in the short. But um, hopefully, it'll be it'll be made soon, and we can I can come back on and talk to you about that. Yes, please, of course, always welcome to come back on. I I'm so excited. Please, if you haven't if you haven't watched it yet, go check out Death and Ramen. It, it's so great talking with you. This is a r really really fun conversation. Uh, I I'm so excited to see what you do next, and and I'm very excited to see uh the future of death and ramen. Thank you so much, Robert. This is so wonderful.